please have Ruth chapter 3 open in front of you, and our text really is verses 3 to 4. Now, many of you here tonight will be familiar with the words of a well-known prayer. Lord, I want to see you more clearly, to follow you more nearly. I want to love you more dearly. You know, that really puts together what I hope is the prayer of most of our hearts, because if we're true believers tonight, you know, we surely want to be closer to the Lord Jesus. You know, we want to see him and follow and walk with him closely and to, to love him more. We long for a, a close relationship with the Savior. No, you know, maybe we've, we've known in our experience other godly believers and we've, we've seen their nearness with the Lord. We've seen the way in which they seem to have that, that closeness and it kind of sort of permeates through them and is so evident. And the question is, how do we draw close to the Savior? Well, here in this passage in the book of Ruth, we have a wonderful love story, but it points us to a, a greater narrative concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Ruth was a Moabite. She was a, a pagan, a Gentile outside the commonwealth of Israel, and yet in the purposes of God, she is brought to find deliverance and new life through a kinsman redeemer whose name was Boaz, whom she will marry. And all of this was under the the hand of provision of a gracious God who in this gave stunning glimpses of the wonderful plan of salvation for sinners and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Boaz himself is a, is a type, he pictures the Lord Jesus. And as one explains, the maid from Moab marries the bachelor of Bethlehem and they live happily ever after. And it is a picture of the church and the Lord Jesus for the church is the bride of Christ. And Boaz foreshadows Christ's coming as our own kinsman redeemer. And in this passage, there are many gospel pictures. You know, as Ruth casts herself at the feet of Boaz, desperately needy and dependent on his care, so it is that we cast ourselves at the feet of Christ, seeking his mercy. As Boaz dealt with Ruth, so Christ deals with every sinner who comes to him in repentance, covering them with the blood of the covenant by which he welcomes us into all the peace and the security and the contentment of being under his wing. Ruth came to Boaz. She had nothing. She was a, a penniless alien, as it were, and yet she became enriched by all the blessings that Boaz would give to her. You know, we come to the Lord Jesus and we've got nothing. We are spiritually bankrupt and yet we become fellow heirs with Christ and all of his grace. As Boaz took Ruth and made her his bride, so Christ takes us and makes us his bride. And so this is so rich in, in the gospel and in the reality of what Christ will come to do. But with that gospel picture in the background, I want us to consider this scene before us. And as I said, this event takes place during the barley harvest. And Boaz is a mighty man of wealth. And as I just said, he will become Ruth's redeemer and a husband in the purposes of God. But in this account, Boaz is in the barley fields that he owns with his fellow harvesters. And we see that Ruth is going to take the opportunity to come to Boaz and the precious relationship then that will follow. And friends, I, 
believe that all of this points us to the closeness that we can know with our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus. And uh, we find really the, the insight into this in the advice that Naomi gives to Ruth. But let me just set the scene. Verse 1, Naomi, her mother-in-law, says to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? And Naomi is saying, Ruth, you know, after all that has happened, do you not want that rest and that refreshment and that security that your heart yearns for? And then she speaks of Boaz, a, a kinsman, and where to find him. And in fact, he's winnowing barley tonight at the, the threshing floor. Now, to winnow barley means to, to toss it up in the air and let all the, the chaff be blown away so that the, the barley is left. And it was a, a common practice at the time, separating the barley in that way. And it's at this point, as Naomi is encouraging Ruth to go down to Boaz, that she gives Ruth some instructions in how to draw near to Boaz. And my dear friends, I hope that will help us in terms of drawing close to the Lord Jesus. And in fact, one of the, the Puritans that I was reading in the week highlighted some of these things, and it was a blessing to me, and I hope it will be a blessing to you. Verses 3 to 4, Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself, put on your best garment, and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go in, uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what you should do. You know, can I just say that true Christianity is not a code. It is not a cause in that sense. It is not even a type of conduct. It is Christ. And knowing Christ as your Savior and as your Lord, to be united to him, that's the essence of Christianity. To know him, to look to him. And the mark of the true believer is that they love the Lord Jesus. And that they, they long to know him better. And we rejoice in salvation. We rejoice in the blessings that he gives. But more, we desire him. We desire Christ himself and we long that the Lord Jesus be real to us you know it's the the cry of Paul's heart that I may know him to know and experience more and more of the Lord Jesus now I want to say to you that I I know him and I love him but I want to know him more and I want to love him more and I hope that you do as well and also I need to say this, that this advice is for the child of God. This advice that we're, we're looking at tonight is for those who are already in a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and if that's not you tonight, I pray that you call on his name to be saved. That you would turn to him, turn from your sin and trust the Savior. But for those of us who do know him, how can we draw near? Well, there's some very simple steps. And the first one is this, cleanse yourself. Notice that she says, therefore, wash yourself. Wash yourself because you're going to meet him. You know, think of the one that you are coming near to. Now, in terms of salvation, we must be washed in the blood of Christ. You know, when we cry out to the Lord to be saved, we know that our sins are forgiven through the atoning work of the Lord Jesus on the cross, past, present, future. But here, I'm talking about intimacy with the Savior the pursuit of, of holiness and sanctification. And in that sense, the believer's life is one of continual repentance. 
You know, you see that throughout the New Testament. This transformation, this newness, this difference that is the Christian life takes place when we find ourselves bowing down to the authority of the Lord Jesus every day. And Jesus commands the the engagement of our minds and our hearts, that relationship with him every day of our lives. You know, it's interesting. James talks about drawing near to the Lord. You know, often you hear people quote this. You know, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's a wonderful statement, but they don't go on to read what it says next. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. You see, coming near to the Lord, we have to, to cleanse our hands and our hearts and our minds. In other words, there's a seriousness about approaching the one that we love. We ready ourselves. We're focused. One thing I do. Again, you see it in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. It's the same principle. If you would draw near in terms of that intimacy with the Lord, then we need to be clean to examine our hearts. You know, it's a challenge. I was thinking, you know, about this whole matter of unanswered prayer and many reasons why the Lord delays or doesn't answer our prayers in the way that we think or all those things. And, you know, we have unhindered access in and through the Lord Jesus. It's wonderful. But, you know, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't take care of our hearts and our approach to the Lord. You know, I was challenged Isaiah 1 verses 15 to 16. When you spread out your hands, says the Lord, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. You see, they were were told to come with clean hands and and right hearts and single-minded. And obviously, we can only approach in the Lord Jesus Christ. We can only be accepted in Christ, but we're to be serious about holiness. You know, can you imagine anybody desiring to have a a closeness in their relationship and not bothering to wash, not bothering to be clean? We're coming to the Lord. We're we're drawing near to the Holy One, you know, through His Son, the Lord Jesus. And so cleanse yourself. Be ready. And you say, well, how? How are we cleansed? How do we get clean to come to the Lord? Well, simply by the Word of God. Ephesians 5, husbands, Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. As one explains, the word of God is to your spirit what water is to your body. You are washed with the word. Psalm 119 says the same thing. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. And you say, well, how does the Bible cleanse us? Well, James says that the Bible is like a mirror. It shows us what we are. It reveals the, the defilement that's in us. You see, not only do we read the Bible, but as one has said, the Bible reads us. You know, that's the reason some people don't like to read the Bible. There is the washing of water by the Word. The Word reveals our sin, but also the solution. Cleansed by the word, cleansed by the blood. 1 John 1, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Naomi says to Ruth, be freshly cleansed. For us, how do we know that cleansing? Well, the Word of God reveals our sin and points us back again to the blood of Christ shed at Calvary and all the precious promises there. You know, think again. If we confess our sins, you know, we're all sinners. We know that and we pray for the Lord to forgive our sins. But, you know, sometimes there can be a danger in that we can sort of have a, a lazy attitude and say, oh Lord, you know, I'm a sinner. Just forgive all my sins. And we, we don't really consider the areas where we're struggling. And in a relationship, there are times when we have to be specific in facing the sins. You know, it's like that when we commune with the Lord in a real way, Lord, you know, I really lost my temper in that situation. Lord, you know, I was, I was so unkind in my words to that brother. Please forgive me. Lord, you know I've been entertaining these wrong thoughts. You know, we're honest before you. And we confess our sin. We, we agree with God about our sin. You know, the word confess means to say the same thing. In other words, we agree with the holy God about our condition and our situation. And as we come humbly and confess our sin in that way, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, as believers, we should want to become more and more, you know, what we are in position in Christ. And the amazing thing is that the Bible says that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And it's stunning to know that what God calls clean, let no man call unclean. We thank God for that. So we cleanse ourselves. And then the, the second way of drawing near to the Lord is to smell right to smell right. One preacher puts it more eloquently than I've just done. He says to be fragrantly consecrated. Verse 3, anoint yourself. Ruth, put on some fragrance. Come with a pleasant aroma. Not only were brides anointed, but priests were anointed too. And the anointing of the priests was a setting aside. But here we have this idea about a beautiful aroma. It's interesting in the Song of Solomon, that beautiful love poem in Scripture, also a picture of Christ and the church, that the bridegroom says in uh, chapter 1, verse 14, my beloved is to me a cluster of henna blooms in the vineyards of Engedi. Or in chapter 4, verse 14, spikenard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, with all the chief spices. And what he's talking about there is that they would make their perfumes by compounding these elements into an anointing oil. And the very fragrance would speak of love and closeness. And so you say, well, if I'm cleansed by the word and by the blood, how am I anointed? What gives me a, a sweet-smelling fragrance to my bridegroom? Well, your anointing is the Holy Spirit. 1 John 2 verse 27 the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie. 
You see, the anointing that we have is the Spirit of God. He dwells in the believer. And when I am clean and when I am filled with the Holy Spirit and we come before the Lord Jesus, it is a pleasing aroma to him. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit gives us the fragrance of Christ. You know, do you want to be near the Lord? Do you want to have a close relationship with the Lord Jesus? Then you seek to be faithful to the word and desire the Holy Spirit to do his work in your life and to be surrendered to him. Don't grieve the Spirit, you know, and to be in the Word, He can make you a, a sweet-smelling savor so that your, your very life will be like incense to Him. You know, there are people that know and walk with Jesus like that. And when you're around them, you can, you can smell it, as it were, not, not physically, you, but you get the fragrance of Christ spiritually. You know, they, they bring something of the Lord Jesus. They, they commend Christ in the way that they are. They reflect something of him. You know, I long to be like that. And I hope that you long to be like it too. To be cleansed, to smell right. And then to be clothed correctly. Look at verse three. You know, she says, put on your best garment. Naomi says, Ruth, wear your best dress. You're going to see Boaz. Now, she'd been wearing garments of mourning as a widow. She had been working in the field. Her, her clothes were dusty and dirty, and she needed to change and to be clothed right. Now, it must have been wonderful news for Ruth. She would be taken from mourning to rejoicing. And you know, that's what the gospel speaks of. It's a great, great thing. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. You know, Ruth was brokenhearted. Ruth had been taken captive by sin and sorrow and death. And this poor, broken-hearted woman needed comfort. And that passage goes on to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And that's the way Ruth is to dress. Ruth, put off your ashes of sorrow. I'm going to give you beauty for ashes. Ruth, put away your mourning. I'm going to give you joy for mourning. Ruth, put off the garment of heaviness. I'm going to give you the garment of praise. Now, how do we come before the Lord Jesus, my dear friend, with beauty and joy and praise? And where do I get those kind of clothes? In Christ. Isaiah 61, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. And when we come to the Lord Jesus, when we long for his presence and his nearness, we come before him with rejoicing and thankfulness to delight in him because he is our salvation. And he loved us enough to go to that cross for us. 
He has redeemed us. He has plucked us from the pit. He has clothed us with his righteousness. He has delivered us and given us a future and a hope. He has granted us the garments of praise. And when we come near to him, we should be clothed with that in order to make much of Christ and to delight in him and to worship him and to praise him, to be dressed correctly. And then to be fully committed. Again, look at verses 3 to 4. Go down to the threshing floor, but don't make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go in, uncover his feet and lie down. In other words, Ruth, put yourself at the feet of your Redeemer. You know, being at the feet of Jesus is the most blessed place. It is to place yourself at the feet of your Redeemer and it means that you are fully committed to him that he is your only hope, that he is all in all to you. You know, Boaz is asleep on the threshing floor and Ruth came and pulled back the corner of his garment and places herself at his feet. And it's her way of saying, Boaz, please be my kinsman redeemer, be my husband. Now, in recent times, you know, many have suggested that, you know, something inappropriate was taking place. Well, that is, that's not right. You know, this was a threshing floor. Whole families would have been present. Ruth had to find Boaz amongst others who were sleeping there. There is nothing impure. In fact, Boaz says of Ruth in verse 11, all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. And so what she's doing here is placing herself at his feet, placing herself under his protection. And verse 9 gives the image of Ruth placing herself under the wing of Boaz, under his protection. She's saying, I place myself in your hand. I'm committed to you. You are my only hope. You know, if we long to be close to the Lord Jesus, to be near to him, we must be fully committed to him. I ask myself and ask you, have we recently placed ourselves at the feet of the Lord Jesus? Have we come aside to be with him? to take time with him and to, to listen to him through the word and, and desiring to obey him. The most sacred place on earth is at the feet of Jesus to give ourselves wholly to him. And then as we draw together, be eager to obey. Verses four to five, he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. You know, Ruth is ready to obey She's listening for what she should do. And when it is clear, she does it, hearing and doing. You know, that's the final step in fellowship with our heavenly Boaz and our Redeemer husband. You know, do you want to be near to the Lord Jesus without obeying him? You know, do you think somehow that you can take your place at his feet without hearing his word? Ruth was ready to do as her kinsman Redeemer told her. She was eager to obey you know, do you want the Lord Jesus to be a, a bright living reality to you? Then be eager to obey him. John 7, 17, the Lord Jesus said, if anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. You know, if you're eager to follow the will and the way of the Lord, he will teach you and guide you. It's not, Lord, you know, you show me what you want me to do and then I'll tell you whether I really want to do it or not. No, it's Lord, show me your way. 
I want to follow you and obey you. And John 14, 21, we read it together. I hope that you, see, you know, saw the significance. Jesus said, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And then notice this, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Do you want to know his presence and his nearness? then we need to be those who obey him. I will love him, Jesus says, and manifest myself to him. That's the pattern. Love him, obey him, and as we do, we'll know more of his presence and his reality. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. You know, there's no point in saying, oh, you know, I love Jesus, but with no intention to obey him. You know, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? You know, Boaz was near and dear and clear to Ruth because her heart was, whatever he says to me, I will do it. I am eager to follow his will and his way. And friends, that's what we need. That's the attitude that we need. Now, as we finish, I want to look just very briefly at Boaz's response to all this. You know, how does Boaz respond to Ruth? Well, if you look at verses 8 to 10, after the initial shock, and Ruth's request, Boaz said, blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter. He blessed her. It's a wonderful thing. You know, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus. There is no more blessed place than to be with him and at his feet. And, you know, Boaz says, you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning in that you didn't go after young men, whether poor or rich, and now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. And he goes on to, to detail how he's going to take care of matters. And he gives an assurance that if that nearer kinsman doesn't perform the duty, he will do that which is necessary. So certain things needed to be put in place. But Boaz says to Ruth, and it's so lovely, don't be afraid. Not only did he receive her, but he reassured her. He spoke peace to her trembling heart. You know, that's what so many of us need right now. We need to be reassured. And that reassurance comes from the Lord Jesus who says, I've loved you and I won't stop loving you. I've done everything for you and I will bring you through. You see, Boaz knew that he loved her and that she loved him. As a matter of fact, he loved her before she loved him. He takes the initiative. The Bible says we love Christ because he first loved us. You know, there's a wonderful verse that says this. Perfect love casts out fear. I wonder if you've ever thought about that because it throws up an issue for us, doesn't it? You see, I can't love the Lord Jesus perfectly. But that's not what is being said. It's not our perfect love for Christ that casts out fear. And thank God for that. No, it's his perfect love for us that takes away our fears. We don't need to fear someone who loves us everlastingly and perfectly. And that's the way Jesus loves us. 
And then we see that Boaz loads her with blessing. He reassures her, and then he fills her shawl with barley. You know, she'd been gleaning in the fields, but he puts so much barley in her shawl. It's loaded full. He lays it on her. She didn't need that much, but he gave her exceedingly abundantly. Why? Because he loved her, and she was there at his feet. He received her. He reassured her and he provided for her. And the Bible says that the Lord loads us with his benefits. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think. And how he loves us, he receives us, reassures us, and provides everything for us. You know, some of you, some of you don't know the Lord Jesus. And it is a tragedy because you know nothing of this love. You know nothing of this wonderful provision in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and then Ruth eventually comes back to Naomi, and Naomi asks, is that you, my daughter? And she was asking, are you the new Mrs. Boaz? And Ruth told her all that the man had done for her. You know, I love that expression. That's how we are about the Lord Jesus. Come, let me tell you of what he has done for me, all that he has done for me. But you know, the last piece of advice that Naomi gives is this. Look at verse 18. Sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. For the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. Do you know, that is a wonderful verse. You know, Ruth, you can rest now because you're in his hands and he will not rest until he has settled this matter. And so your responsibility, your response is to his ability. And so to sit still and trust him because he will see it through. You know, throughout his earthly ministry, our heavenly redeemer, the Lord Jesus, was about his father's business. He would not rest until his saving work had been done, until it was finished. He set his face to the cross. And even when they spat at him, even when they tore out his beard, even when they slandered him and lashed him and beat him, he would not quit. Why? The man will not rest till he has finished this thing. And then you see him as they lift him up to Calvary and they nail him on that cross and they taunt him, come down off the cross, save yourself. But he would not. Why? The man will not rest until this thing has been finished. And then comes that moment where he says, it is finished. It is done. And the man is seated at the right hand of the Father, for he has done it. He has done all that is necessary. The man did not rest until the matter was concluded. And that's why, you know, my friends, if we are in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we know him, we can rest in him. And rest in him in our lives day by day and for all that the future may bring because we have entered into the finished rest of our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus. And he did not stop until the matter was concluded. You know, if, if you don't know him, then again, I would say to you, it is a tragedy. And so believe him. Be saved this night. You know, be done with all that rebellion. You know, seek no longer. Here is the solution. The Lord Jesus Christ. Turn from your sin and trust him. Take your place at his feet. Your redeemer, your heavenly Boaz. Cry out to him. 
and he will save you. And if you are a believer and you want to be close to Jesus, I pray that it would be the longing of your heart and that you would do all that you can to walk with him and indeed to seek him, to be near to him. Let me ask you, do you love him? Do you love him this night? Is your love just a, a flicker as it were? May the Lord ignite that. May the Holy Spirit stir that up in you that you might love him more. And may it be that our hearts cry as, oh Lord, teach me to draw near to you. Teach me to know you. Teach me to have that intimacy with you. And may it be that day by day, we know that he is with us, that he will do all that's necessary to keep us. Oh, friends, I pray that you'd know it. And I pray that our relationship with the Lord Jesus would ever be going more and more deeper and that we would know more of the blessings that we have in him and to know him above all else. Draw near to Jesus. Here are some ways. May the Lord help us as we do so. Amen.